I've got it. Hello and welcome to the Dare to Fail podcast. I am your host again, Brandon Rail, and today, hailing from I don't, it's, I can't say that it's a state, it's a country, right? Nanaimo, British Columbia, and it's not in Britain, and it's not in Colombia. It's actually in Canada. It's very Mister. <laughs> Did I say Nanaimo correct? Almost. You're very. Close. Oh, how do you say it? It is Nanaimo. Nanaimo, yes. Mister Spencer Bowman. How are you doing, man? You're like at least 2000 miles north from where, where I'm at. How is it going up there? Is it like frozen? Is it like in game of Thrones where they're up at the North and the wall is up there. And like, you're one of the wildlings beyond the wall and all that stuff. Or you would think totally so. Wrong? You would think so. That is, that is what <laughs> people tend to think all of Canada is right. like all the time. <laughs> I've heard great things about BC. I mean, it's like two and a half hours North of Seattle. Right. So it's. Yeah. And actually it's uh, like hot and sunny where I am today. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So before we get ahead of ourselves, I got to tell, tell, tell these people who are listening who you are. I mean, you are one of the best drummers I've ever heard play. I met you at oh Mike goodness. Johnston's drum, jump camp. I think it was in 2017, I believe. Or yeah. We did two together, didn't we? I didn't meet you. Yeah. At, yeah I think yeah, we did 2017, 2018. Yeah. And it was, it, it was a freaking amazing experience. And you, you play all different types of styles, country, rock, pop. You've got your own book that you've written called Polymetric Double Kick. Um, for, for people who don't know what that is, it's a very technical, uh, style of drumming. It's like, you have to have two or three brains just to be able to do it. Uh, you study jazz, you've trained with Mike Johnston, who I have interviewed on here too. He's one of the greatest drummers ever, Matt Halpern and Benny Gribb. Those are pretty big names in drumming too. Uh, you can find Spencer at his website at spencerbowmandrummer.com. And I will also put a link to that in, um, uh, the information, uh, on my website so you can find him. He also teaches, right? I mean, you teach a lot of uh, lessons. That's that's pretty much how you're you're doing a lot of different stuff. I know you got the books, you got the bands, and and you got the teaching stuff going. So you're carving your own like really unique and awesome path in life as an artist, and you're you're exemplifying the dare to fail philosophy pretty much. I mean, well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I oh, thanks again for for being on this. I know with everything going on in the world. This is now the time to be on podcasts and not being outdoors. Right? It, it so. absolutely is, man. This is like, <laughs> yeah. uh, when you asked me when I could do it, I was like, well, I'm pretty flexible right now, actually. <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm asking some other people too, and they're like, let me get back to you. I'm like, come on, man. What else do you got to do? We're all in quarantine. <laughs> you know, you, you can't you can't fool me here. You just say no. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, the schedule kidding. is about as malleable as it's <laughs> ever been. <laughs> absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah, please go and check out Spencer. Is there any other social media stuff that they can find you on or is your website the best? I think the website's good. And right now I've been trying to be pretty active on Instagram. I'm usually posting Instagram. Yeah. drum clips and stuff. I'm just at I, Spencer Bowman. That con- I just saw you post that uh, country video uh, yeah. that you were you're like, a lot of people don't know that I play the style. I didn't even know you played that style because I, from what I've seen you play, it was all like progressive metal type stuff. Like uh, the body politic, that band that you were in. Totally, for a man. Yeah. yeah. Th- the last couple of years have been uh, quite a journey. You changed. I, yeah. I think the yeah. last time, the last time I saw you was summer 2018. I yeah. At that camp. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. 
And yeah. it was awesome. Such an awesome experience. Oh, such a blast. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's nothing like a Mike Johnson right. drum camp. That's for sure. No, there's not. It's, it's like a, the best kept secret in the world for, for drummers, but it's not a secret, but you <laughs> yeah, know what exactly, I mean? <laughs> exactly. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Um, but at that time I was at this crazy crossroads. Where, mm-hmm. I remember. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was actually mm-hmm. like, uh, it, that camp was, was really important because there was, uh, I was just on the edge of, uh, of kind of hitting a, a low point in yeah. my artistic career because uh-huh. my basically what just to give a little bit of context the the band that you mentioned the body politic mm-hmm. progressive metal band the we had been together for 10 years i think at that oh point oh my gosh i didn't realize it was that long yeah, yeah. That's, that's a long time that's a long relationship it was and yeah and relationship is the right word too because yeah. we were all best friends from family. the time yeah. that we were 14. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It was like family. And we had so many formative experiences together. We were like touring in Canada and making music videos and stuff. And so when that band kind of came to its logical conclusion, it was the right time for that band to end where our lives were kind of pulling us in, in different directions. Um, mm-hmm. Some, some musically and some more work or family oriented. And it was the right time to to call it for that band. But right as that was happening, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I started looking around for other similar projects that maybe I could jump into. And there was another mm-hmm. band at that time that was just kind of gaining some steam called Spirit Box. Was this the LA band that you t- were telling me about? Sort of. They, they had, at the time, they had two members in Victoria and two members okay. in the States. And okay. they were they were sort of the uh, the remnants of a band called I Wrestled a Bear once. <laughs> <laughs> only once. Only, only once. wrestle a bear once. You yep. only do that one time. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Um, uh, we all saw the remnant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I I ended up getting the gig with with that band and so that kind of immediately filled the the hole for that part of my life i because i had been in a band this the body politic had been the center of my artistic life and my my life in general for basically that whole 10 years it was my baby and it was Uh it was the the thing that i made all my decisions based on Right. That that was the, the hub, the central, like, this is my thing and it's amazing. And this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. Sort of thing. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and on top of that too, it was not only was it this, uh, this thing I was so passionate about that I got to do with my best friends, but it was also, yeah. I, it checked some other boxes for me as well, because I, it, I ran it, I was sort of the leader of the band and right. I had an opportunity to exercise um some some leadership and creative uh, force too i'm sure you got to create a lot of things that you wanted to to see existence yeah yeah definitely and um and then i got to to because i was the leader i got to treat it like a business and and run it like a business and i became really passionate about that side of things too so there were there were a lot of things that got taken off the table when the body yeah, politics ten, ended. Ten years, and then it came to a logical conclusion, and you had to 
part ways, which happens too many times in bands, which is why it's always such a miracle when you see a band that's like been together for like 30 years. You're just like, how did you do it? You know, it's like, and you know, and they actually were, you know, touring and doing all that stuff as well. Just like I'm sure you were doing too. Definitely. So that's, you know, as when you take these, these leaps, these, these jumps in the direction that you want in your life, and then these things happen and they all fall apart. It's like, it's such a devastating blow because it's something that you want like beyond words. Like you couldn't even put it into words how much that probably meant to you. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's gone. And you're like, what, what the hell am I going to do now? And that's when I think (laughs) I saw you at the airport uh, in Sacramento and um, yeah, you were telling me about this other band. And I remember this conversation specifically because it was like, this was like the time where it was like, man, Spencer is a really cool guy. Like he's got, he's got his head on his shoulders. Right. And it's, that's, that's, uh, you got to check out a picture of Spencer too. So people can see, cause you, you, you see a picture of me and you're like, that's a goofy ass looking guy playing drums. And then you see Spencer, you're like that guy, you know, looks like a rock star. Like, why is he not, you know, in, in like the biggest band in the world or whatever. But you said, you said something to me that was like, we were talking about that band and you were saying something along the lines of like, you know, I, 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 I don't feel like something feels really wrong about this, right? Continuing yeah. on with them. And I, I can't remember exactly the ver, like verbatim, the words that you said, but you were like, really, it was like an instinctual sort of thing that was going on, you know? And we, I, I said relationship because bands are really like having, it's like having a girlfriend, you know, but it's like having four girlfriends or however many of your people are in your band. And it's like, when those things end, it really does feel like that, you know, and then the rebound, right? After you get out of a 10 year relationship, you're like, I don't know what to do now. So now I'm just going to take this looks good. And they're like, yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff. And like, they're, they're up and coming and you know, they, this, that, and the other, and all these great things are going on. And then your instincts are telling you something different. And I remember how you handled that, but can you tell me how, explain how you handled all that? Yeah, basically, I mean, the, the comparison to, a relationship rebounding is could not be more perfect in, yeah. in this case, because that's really what it was. I, I, you know, it, I just needed, I was so accustomed to being a guy in a band, uh, an original metal band that toured. That was so much a part of my identity that I, I just couldn't yet imagine myself doing anything else. So I just scrambled mm-hmm. to find the, the quickest mm. way to, maintain that identity and in in doing that it it worked i mean i got the gig with spirit box and i was with them for maybe six months we made a a music video and we started writing some music and i think what happened with spirit box was i i was finding myself pulled in some different directions that my what i was passionate about was pulling me in uh in some different directions away from the band, I was still gigging with doing lots of freelance gigs. I was doing like pop gigs and hip hop gigs. Yeah. And I didn't want to let that stuff go because I was feeling really passionate about that stuff. You're having a lot of fun with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I had always kind of done that stuff on the side, been a a drummer for hire at the same time. Sure. But I, I was really feeling that stuff at that time. And spirit box, the reality was they were, a very serious band and are a serious band and they needed somebody who was a hundred percent dedicated to Spirit to them. Box. Yeah. To them. 
and and anytime it doesn't matter if it's a band or a you know any kind of group or organization if if the idea is that everybody has to be 100% in and there's somebody who is dividing their attention in some other places to anything right exactly other than, other than the band right yeah, yeah it's going to create some tension and before things got uh, too weird. I just kind of removed myself from the situation, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I think and I think we were, we were they were better off for it. They immediately found another drummer who was uh, much more dedicated On board. to that project. Yeah, yeah could give. All he's not going to be better. He's not going to be better, <laughs> uh, but he's more of like willing to drink the Kool-Aid, so to say. <laughs> sure, you could put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some people are so like ready to just, you know, let, let something consume them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, from experience and especially as you get older as, as an artist, it's like, you need to guard yourself from that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the only sure. thing that you should be like 100% dare I say faithful or loyal to is to those instincts in yourself that says, you know, Am I doing, am I actually doing something that I love to do? Because here's the thing, if, if I'm not doing what I'm, I, I love to do, then why don't I just go and get a normal job? Exactly. Why don't I just go and, and, and do, you know, something that I don't like that's going to be a nine to five, because this is not, this is toxic. You know, it can turn really toxic. I've had experiences like that too, not with just music, but with, um, with acting and film and stuff like that. Like the people who you work with are, are essentially everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and those relationships have to be, have to be so, really solid. Yeah. So, and I, I want, that was when I said like something, when I, when I had met you in that airport in Sacramento and you told me the story, it was the fact that you had like, listened to that voice. You'd listened to your instincts like within you that said, mm -mm, like something is not right here. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like, oh, here's the perk that, you know, they're, they're an up and coming band, you know? Uh, you know, they're making a music video, you know, we're writing music and like all of this, you know, positive stuff that a band, you know, when a bands are doing it, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but it's, if it's, if there's something telling you that there's wrong, it's probably wrong. And you probably should walk away from it regardless of how it all seems to anybody else. So you followed your own intuition in that. And I was like, that's really, that's a really important thing to be able to do in life. Yeah. I, I think I was lucky that I met that situation at that time in my life because I had had, it had just happened enough times by, mm -hmm. uh, you know, age yeah. 27 <laughs> or 26 or whatever I, it was at the time. I Oh, you're so old. I can't believe it. Yeah. Right? God, dude. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't interview old people. I'm sorry. We're going to have to <laughs> yeah, end this right now. Kidding. I'm not even going to tell you here. how old I, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. All right. Let's, let's just keep this going. <laughs> Um, I just had yeah. enough enough uh, times where yeah. I yeah. hadn't trusted my gut, and yes, and it didn't work out. <laughs> it and did so not. Like, you know what? <laughs> it's time to trust my gut on this one. I am gonna, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, pursue the thing that is that is making me happy and that I'm passionate about. Which at that time was being a, a drummer for hire, being a session drummer and being a... Just um, getting the experience, I mean, of being able to play with uh, a lot of different styles and a lot of different people because I know as a student of Mike Johnston's, you are as well, it's it's like impossible to not fall in love with the world grooves or the different styles of music oh, yeah. that he plays because he came from 
you know, like a his band Simon Says when he was coming up was a was like a I think they call it like new metal or whatever. It's just it was a heavy metal band for the yeah. most part. Yeah. But man, it, how many times have we seen him play just like some of the craziest like styles? I'm like I've never even you know he's the one who taught me how to play the samba ostinato. Yeah, and I, you know I, I I started playing Green Day when I was when I had just gotten into drumming. So samba or bossa nova or a lot of other world grooves and stuff like that. He he instilled that in, in, in his students. So that's probably why, you know, you were just like, yeah, let's try some new stuff, you know? Definitely. And it's so funny because the whole time I started going to Mike's camps in, I think my first one was, was 2013. How many have you gone to Spencer? Uh, I can't even count. It it goes on two hands for sure. I need two hands to count them. It's like seven or eight, right? Yeah, It's it's up there. Yeah. I've only done two and man, I, I really want to do more for sure. Yeah. It's a special experience. That's for sure. It is. But uh, being down there, I, even through the years that I was there and I was in the body politic and touring in this metal band, when I would go there, I would often play like pop music, like the most bubblegum, like cheese ball <laughs> pop songs when we would have chances to play because on the what do they call the shreds right yeah, the, shreds, yeah, the, the, the so, sheds at the end of the night uh, sheds yeah is it sheds or shreds shreds, uh, sheds. sheds. Okay. the sheds yeah like the, the sheds. sheds oh right so for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about at the drum camp after like a day of learning stuff that n- nobody could play and we're all like racking our heads against the wall um Mike would open it up to just letting people play to songs and stuff and, and any music that they wanted to and just jam it out, you know, and they did videos and recordings of it. So it was kind of like a cathartic experience after a long day of learning that we just got to be drummers, you know, and just play any type of music that we want. And yeah, so that's funny because, yeah, the body politic is like I, they were they were a crazy band in terms of their music was really technical. It was like a mixture between like, I don't know, man, like Tool and um uh, like Dillinger Escape Plan. I don't know if you've ever even yeah. heard of them. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. it, and it was just it was technical, really technical music. And then I remember some of the shreds that you played. I'm like, I didn't even, I wouldn't even have thought that you knew what that song was. <laughs> there was that "Don't Put Your Blame on Me" one that you did. I can't remember who the artist was, but it was definitely not a metal song. It was yeah, really cool. Yeah, no, and and that was at that time back in those those years. That was the those camps were one of the only places that I had an outlet to play that kind of thing. And oh, so cause you couldn't do it around your, where you were at. People be like, I don't know what's wrong with Spencer, but he's playing country. Right. <laughs> like, well, we'll have a talk with them. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love exactly. Yeah. And no. I had some interventions and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's one of the, th- the reasons you got to follow your own instincts, man. If you exactly. like, if you love music, it's like, there's nothing wrong with playing any style of music. So why are you giving me shit about it? You yeah, know, course, it's like, exactly, right. Yeah, come on. So. And and I mean those. So those camps were the the place that I got to play that type of music. And then yeah. when that started to actually work its way into my career around the time the body politic was um, was kind of ending, and I was in Spirit Box, it was I was starting to realize like I I can I can play this kind of music um, in the real world. Like uh, this this can be a part of right. my artistic identity something yeah in your tool bag of like of what you're you're able to do and you know i don't especially drummers you know because drummers can be really weird in terms of like the purity aspect of all of it and like you know oh i only play jazz or like i only play metal 
oh, or, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. But like the best drummers I've always found are the guys that they just love music. And it's a, it goes for any musician and almost any artist, I think. It's like that sort of collective love and appreciation for all the styles. Because, I mean, a good song is a good song. Exactly. There's Johnny Cat. There's Johnny Cash music that I just absolutely love, and I love playing the drums too. Willie Nelson and stuff too. Zach Brown. Uh, we were supposed to go see him in March, but uh, you know, obviously everything got canceled. But yeah. I, for good song, I would be if Zach Brown called my ass up and said, "Brandon, <laughs> I know that podcast is is really successful, but I am gonna ask you. You know, I know you're gonna say no, but if you want to be my drummer, be like, uh, I, I'm already packed. Zach, where would you like me to to meet? Uh, I'll sleep." outside of the bus, uh, anything that you want, in the trailer. let me be your drummer. No, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. no, I totally understand. I totally get it. And that's, I think that's a real mature uh, decision to, to be able to make. Yeah. And there's, I think now that I've been in the, the hired gun world for a while, it's, mm-hmm. it's fun because the, the things that you get out of it, I think are a little bit different. And I really like, I didn't know yeah. that I would get as much satisfaction out of it ah. as, as I, yeah. as I do now, because when I used to think of the hired gun world, I, I, I thought of it as this sort of, you know, soul sucking side of the music industry where you just have to <laughs> play songs you don't like and do what people right. tell you. And, and, right. um, and, and it's not yeah. like that for me at all. It's there's, wow. there's this satisfaction in doing a, good job like thinking of oh, yeah. thinking of it yeah. as a job your gig is this job and for you yeah. to serve the music and serve the artist mm. and serve the crowd in the best way possible is mm. that is the the thing that i'm most passionate about in mm-hmm. that in that world i i don't with the body politic i was really wearing my heart on my sleeve with that music and pouring my uh, my passion into that into that art yeah. and when we put out an album it was like I'm it was your identity this, this yeah. art to the world this is so important to me whereas with this stuff it's more about doing a doing a good job and putting my heart into the performance right and right. doing exactly what that song requires so that everybody in that room feels an energy and um joy out of it joy Man, that's three um, eleven's one of my favorite bands. They've got a lyric. They've got a line that says, "What you know? What is a better way to celebrate freedom than music?" Um, and I, I, I've always just and basically what you just said there is is like your job is essentially to get people out of themselves and and literally bring them to a, a higher level to to something different. And because I know that you love music as much as I do you know, it's saved my life time and time again. You know, there, yes. there's, there's very few things on this planet. Um, there might be the only thing on this planet other than, you know, the people that I love the most, my family and everything that understands me or that I can feel like, yeah, like, uh, like I get th- like this, this, this band gets me or, or this music, like it just, it, it, it does something inside of me that I can't, I can't put into words. You can't describe. And that's how, that's when, you know, it's like, that's what you have to do with your life, you know? Absolutely. And no yeah. matter no matter what shit is going down in your you mean life. like a global pandemic? <laughs> yeah, like a global That's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. Come on. Yeah. Let's talk let's it's not talk science fish, fiction man. here. Pretty Next thing you're going to tell me all the concerts in the world are <laughs> fucking canceled. No. <laughs> the point is uh, music is all yeah. there. It's there for you in the darkest times. 
<laughs> no? Yeah, no kidding. But that brings me, you know, to another question, which kind of is part of this, why I even started this podcast was to interview people like you um, who made a decision at some point that they were going to follow their passion as opposed to, I guess, just not uh, choosing something that was, you know, maybe, hey, this is going to make me decent money and I'll have a safe, you know, career. So I'm just going to go do that sort of thing. And I remember specifically talking to you um, about this because I was in a weird place too in 2018. Um, I was I had moved out to Austin, Texas, and I was playing music out there. I was hired. I was doing the hired gun sort of thing, and um, I was in some alt rock bands, reggae bands, country bands. I mean, I was just playing as much as I could, and it it all kind of came to a, a logical conclusion, like you said, happened with the body politic, and it was time for me to move on. But I didn't really have anything set, you know, think about anything beyond Austin because my assumption was I was going to go out there and it was all going to work, you know, mm-hmm. and I was going to have this, this is, you know, I'm going to find this band or this connection or this thing. And that's not what happened. So I was in a position to where I've got to like, I've got to make another plan. You know, I've got to figure all this out. And I remember talking to you because then the drum camp happened. And that was like a godsend. It was like this, this was just reminding me of all the things that I love about music and all the good things about it is another thing that Mike Johnston does is that he's such a positive, like sort of force of nature that like when you're around him, you can't help but want to play and want to learn and just want to make yourself better. Yes. But when I talked to you at that hotel, I remember you said you were having some conversation with your dad. I remember this very specifically. And you said, he's like, Hey man, he said something along the lines of yeah. you don't have, you don't have to be like other people. Like, yeah, he's like, that, you don't have to let that, you don't have to be like that. That was a, that was one of the most profound conversations I've had in my life. And it was, yeah, it was only a few sentences long, but it was, I, I remember it was in grade nine and wow. I was just, I, a few couple of years before that I had started to become really passionate about drumming but I hadn't really thought of it as a potential career path yet. And in grade nine, I got to the point about halfway through the year when I was picking courses for grade 10. And that's the first year that it starts to really kind of matter a little bit which courses you take, because those are going to become the prerequisites for what you do in university. And then that's going to be your Mm -hmm. job. And so that's the first moment where you're sort of having to make these decisions that are going to alter the course of your life, which felt like a, tall order for a 14 year old yeah Um, no pressure yeah exactly and so I have the course selection sheet at home that night and me and my my mom and dad are sitting at the dinner table and we're talking about the courses that I'm going to take and that obviously leads down the conversation down the line of what I'm going to do with my whole life and and I was I remember just feeling more and more disenchanted with the conversation and the, the, it became a conversation more between my mom and dad than between the three of us. And I just yeah. got more and more quiet. And I think that uh, my dad, my dad's a, he's a, he's a pretty hard guy. Uh, uh-huh. He's a pretty stern, stern fellow, but uh, he, I think he noticed <clears throat> at that time in that conversation that I, I was sort of just, just fading out of it. And mm-hmm. I, I left the dinner table just not, not feeling good about the, your options. Are, exactly. You know, my, my options. Life. 
they, they didn't nothing nothing that we had talked about made me excited or, or happy and I remember being in my room after after that dinner maybe 20 minutes later and my dad came in and, and knocked on my door and said uh, one of the most important things that's ever been said to me in that moment and he said uh, in his in his uh, uh, the most still stern way that he could by just just softening just cracking a little bit he said you know you know spencer you uh you don't uh you, you don't have to you don't have to be like everybody else you know you know you can you can do what you want with with your life you know and uh, and, and seriously and it, yeah, yeah that that that's those few words Right. I, I swear to God, man, they altered the course of my whole life because the just getting the permission from my dad when I was 14 that I didn't have to do a job that everybody else does. Uh, that was that was just the most important thing that I, I could have gotten at that time. Yeah. Um, and then I, so, I took every band course I could take and practiced <laughs> as much as I could. You got to That's, you know, such a wise thing that your dad said to you. It's so simple too. It's just, Hey, you don't got to do that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nowhere anywhere that says that you have to do exactly what everybody else has done, regardless if you like it or not. And, uh, I'm sorry. That's just the way the world works, kid, you know? Yeah. And, um, I wish it were different, but you know, here we are and these are the times and you just need to do something that's going to be responsible and, you know, it's the most, that's, that's so uninspiring, right? It, it's like, you know, when you're on the right path in your life, when you actually wake up and you're excited to do, or better yet, you're a little afraid of it yeah. because, because <laughs> you love it so much and you know, it's so like, God, I don't want this to be bad, <laughs> Yes. but it's just one of those things that both excites you and terrifies you. And, you know, anything else that doesn't do that, you're probably not going to really like to do too much. In fact, you may end up hating it, you know, at some point. And I don't know how good of a human being anybody can do when they wake up every day and five days out of the week or more, they hate their job, they hate their lives. Absolutely. And then, you know, it's like, I understand the whole, the need and desire for stability and wanting to, you know, be responsible in this, that, or the other. But who says that you can't be all of those things within a creative career, you know, or within, within something that you find, you know, that you, that works for you, you know, regardless of, yeah. I I think that the, the careers in the arts get this stereotype about, you know, you're you're not going to make very much money or you're going to, you know, there's this starving artist kind of stereotype. And And some people, yeah, some artists are like, yeah, I wear that as a badge of pride. It's it's exactly, it gets, gets I I hear you badge of honor suffering for your art. But I think that, yeah, get over yourself. Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That people's lives are going to reflect their priorities. And if you make financial success, a priority in your artistic career, then you can have financial success in an artistic career. And you're going to have to be like Maroon 5 or something along those lines. <laughs> something extremely commercially, uh, you know, the commercial type of music, which, you know, to each their own. That's not what turns me on about it, but... Yeah, and I, I mean, maybe yeah. too, and but but maybe not as well. Yeah. I think people, yeah. I think there's more room than ever for, you know, 
uh, really rich art to be consumed on a massive level. Um, I mean, yeah. look at a band like Snarky Puppy. Like those guys are very successful, and that right. is some really artistic music. It's and there's probably yeah, and there's probably not a lot of people who have heard of Snarky Puppy. I heard about them when I lived out in in Austin. But here's that's an, an, another really amazing thing about this too is like just because people haven't heard of you or heard of your band doesn't mean that you're not like making a decent living doing something that you love to do, you know? And especially, especially in your case, I mean, you, you're teaching students and, and you're making, you know, income and positive impact through doing that as well. So it's, there's nothing that says anywhere that you just have to be waiting around for somebody to give you your next big break. In fact, yeah, yeah, you know, that's the stupidest thing that anybody could do for, for anything. Absolutely. I I mean, this, this kind of career requires you to take the bull by the horns. If you're waiting for somebody to discover you, you, yeah, if you don't, you are not going to be able to do much. And even like, even kind of, kind of taking the bull by the horns is nowhere near, (laughs) uh, you know, it's not even, you know, it's like, if you thought that like going, going to uh, medical school would be hard or something like that. Try having to only use your brain and, you know, what limited resources that you have to create things new constantly that hopefully inspire or, or other, or attract other people to you. You know what I'm saying? It's like medical schools in respect is like, (laughs) Hey, take this class, take this class, do this residency, get this diploma, get this, you know, under your belt. And then, you know, and then you work. uh, I feel like it's all, we yeah. should be careful right now how we talk about our medical community. Oh, be, I see what you're saying. Might be, no, a, yeah. might be a risky time to, I, to rip on the doctors. They're not going to listen to this, but no, I, I, I totally, it's, thank you for bringing that up to me because I've worked in medical for, for a while myself. And I, there, I've got a lot of respect for, for people who are, who genuinely care about people who actually are, are doing that sort of work because they care about people. And I, I my experience is that's not <laughs> the case a lot of the time. So right. yeah. I don't have a lot of respect for people who chose a job simply because it's a job that they make money at and, you know, whatever. And they could care less about human life or human dignity because there are a lot of people like that in the, in those fields. It's been my experience with it. The yeah, people you, you who... Know firsthand. Oh, I know firsthand. And that's why... Oh, well... It, it was, it's not my dream job. It's not really what I want to be doing with my life either. And after everything that has happened, that's actually taken me on a completely different, uh, uh path myself. And that, that kind of segues into a good, uh, another question that I had for you because everything has changed. Um, and I'm not saying that lightly, it's just, it's one of these moments in our history and you're in a completely different country right now. You're up in Canada I know it's certainly, it has changed the American landscape uh, in a way that nobody had ever dreamed or ever had thought possible. And everybody's kind of like, everything is flipped on its head and everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what to do. How, how do we, how do we navigate these waters? And I know what I'm doing. I can, I'll tell you about that too, but I'm curious, like, since everything has changed, it's, you know, probably going to get back to some form of normalcy eventually, but how, how are you using this time? Like yourself, what are you, uh, what are you working on? Like, how are you navigating these, these waters these days? Well, it, uh, I think the you, biggest... 
be totally honest too. I mean, it's yeah, all good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing for me has been to maintain a sense of structure in my life because I, I'm just, I, I just know that I'm somebody that, that needs to lean on a routine pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the first, I mean, things almost changed overnight for me up yeah there. in totally. within a few days yeah uh, my the schools where i teach both of them closed and um all my gigs were canceled my, for, <laughs> like that that was within it's not funny but yeah it's <laughs> yeah, overnight it, it, overnight yeah, yeah within the a, a 48 hour period it was all just <laughs> like wiped man. clean and that uh that definitely I, so I didn't, I, I, I wasn't, it took a few days to, to kind of process. Figure out, yeah, exactly. To yeah. process and to, yeah. um, to find the, the motivation and find the, uh, find the schedule that was going to work for me and mm-hmm. everything. Because when you're, my life usually is, you know, the, the gym in the morning, practicing in the, the rest of the morning uh, maybe learning songs for the, the next gig that's coming up. And then I'm teaching all afternoon and evening. And there's, there's a lot of structure in my normal day-to-day life. Even yeah, probably even I'm as far as artistic careers go, I have a very, very structured uh, life. And you don't go out and party and get high and drunk every night. <laughs> no, no. I'm, my, uh, oh, well, that's novel. That's a that's a new idea yeah, for artists. Most of my rock star days are, are behind me, <laughs> I think. Uh, but uh, I think. Yeah. It. So so going from that to every day is just a clean slate and this mm-hmm. blank canvas that I can yeah. just do whatever I want to do with. That definitely took some some time to settle in and to figure out sure. what was going to work and, and what my new sure. goals were going to be. And you wrote out new goals for yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest one for me was something that I've been trying to fit in the cracks of my schedule over the past year was just putting out more content of what I'm doing right now. Because with teaching and then always learning the next 45 songs for the weekend. Um, it's, it's been really tricky to make sure that there's, you know, a representation of the type of drumming that I'm doing on the internet right now or on social media. I've had a tough time carving out the time to, um, to put that part of my yeah. drumming out there. And, and it's a really important thing because people hire That's you it. for what you, what they know you for. Right. That's the, um, that's a that's a really really important thing, and it seems obvious when you say it out loud. But I think so many mm-hmm. people in the arts don't—they're hoping yeah. somebody hires them for what they are really passionate about. But yeah. the thing that they're Nobody passionate cares. about isn't the thing that they are known yeah. for. Yeah. And that's kind of the position that I've been in. I've been lucky to to make some connections, especially in the country world, and get quite a few gigs out of it. But I still want to um, just change the put some put more effort into the uh the reputation that i have as a drummer yeah and the type of music that i'm interested in being hired to do yeah so that's the biggest over overall goal of this time is to kind of revamp the the presence that i have in the musical community online 
so that when people are thinking who would be good for this country gig or who would be good for this rock pop gig that the name Spencer Bowman might be one that pops into their mind and it's not right. oh like well he's a he's a metal guy or he he's a double kick guy well they, yeah they would just have to meet you because i mean it it doesn't take long to realize it's like this is not you know your typical kind of dipshit musician like this guy is <laughs> He's serious. He doesn't go out at night and, and do dumb things. Like he, he's got a schedule. He gets up early. He's responsible. He learns all the music and he's really good at what he does. I mean, that's the type of person that you want to have back in, you know, laying down the beats for you on stage. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally understand that. Well, that's great, man. So I think, yeah, for me as well, you know, for this, how I've tried to adjust and like you said, it happened overnight. All of a sudden, I'm like, I have to leave Los Angeles, which I just moved out here for. I, I literally had just been out there for like a month and a half or like oh, man. almost two months. Yeah, literally. It was like the worst Jeez. possible time. <laughs> but in a, in a weird turn of events, it was like it worked out because I had still not been able to find steady work out there. And I, I was doing a month to month sort of thing at the place I was living. So I didn't really have any roots or anything down at the moment. Um. And then I got back to, you know, Arizona and I just sat there kind of just like in a complete daze. And then I just started thinking about all the things that were possible for me to actually do. Like, that's a great question to be, to ask yourself whenever, you know, shit hits the fan or the rug gets pulled out from under you, because, you know, it's not, if it's not a global pandemic, it's going to be something else. You know, this is something yeah. that nobody saw coming or well, at least. The scientists probably saw it coming, but I mean, <laughs> I certainly didn't see it coming. And I know you that you didn't. Nope. I would have never have guessed in a million years that they would not only cancel, you know, American sporting events, but all the concerts and then, you know, yeah, and dude, then just when, everything. When yeah. like when the major sports went down. That's yeah, that's when you like, know oh, you're okay. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, this is some I don't, real shit. Yeah. When they cancel sporting events, you better get back, get into your underground bunker because <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> something something is not right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and yeah, so and there were some big things lacking in my life in Los Angeles from the decision that I made uh, to move out there. For one, I couldn't hardly play drums. I mean, there was no no way. I I was barely making it. You know, w with what I was doing. And all of my focus was essentially going on surviving and trying to be an actor. Um, so that was drumming. When drumming is not a part of my life, I've learned that there's something, something is, is going to give at some point. Uh, and missing my family incredibly, my, you know, my, now I have all this time to spend with them. And I've had this inclination to record music and to record this album that I've had in my mind for probably over 10 years, you know? Yeah. And now I'm actually in the position to do that. And I got all the equipment and everything that I need and I have a place where I can play my drums and set it all up and record. And even if it sucks, even if it's shit, because I mean, I have to do everything on the album, like bass, singing, guitar, drums, and mixing and mastering and all of that stuff. I'm gonna try to learn how to do all this stuff at least I know that for me, like this is going to actually exist. And if I was still in LA, I wouldn't be able to do this. You know, I would still be just looking for, for work as an actor. Yeah. And I still love acting. There's so many things that I wanted to do with that. And music is such a big part of my life now. And now it's like, 
it has come back into my life in such a big way. That was probably one of the reasons why like your name came to mind when I was thinking about interviews because I love, really love this podcast. I love what it, what it represents. And I know that I have to build it and I have to grow it and you have to put so much attention. Like you're saying, trying to build your presence online. I don't think people realize how challenging that is to do these days with anything because there's so many things online, right? Definitely. Um, You're definitely competing for attention everywhere that you might post something. Exactly, man. So, so yeah, it's asking yourself, what it is can I do during this crazy time? And you might be really surprised of all the amazing things that you can start to build for yourself or start to create um, with what time that we have now, because you can't, you know, you can't get time back. And I understand everything is like up in the air and there's weird things going on, but now there's time for you to maybe pause and reflect and, and write up some new goals and and think maybe what you were doing before, maybe, maybe we could do it better, you know, or absolutely we could figure out something different for ourselves entirely. I honestly, Spencer, don't think I'm going to be able to go back to Los Angeles for a while, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd have no idea when it's going to get back to some form of normalcy. And I had the work and everything that I had going on there. I had to let go to come back here to, to be with family because I was just so concerned about them and what was happening. So I had to let all of it go. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a fresh start. It's a, it's a clean start. And now I'm just writing music, man, doing podcast interviews with, with, uh, cool people like yourself. That's awesome, man. I th- Life's I think not bad, you know? It's yeah, not bad. Totally. <laughs> it's man. really not that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's good. I mean, I I feel I've never felt more fortunate to live in the country that I live in right now because fortunately, even though every single piece of my work has disappeared, we're getting some some pretty great help from the government to That's great. Get us yeah. through this time financially and yeah. that that has made that has taken a lot of the stress off of this time and has allowed some some mental bandwidth for Mm -hmm. those types of things like 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 what you're talking about the some creative endeavors and and i think one of the biggest things that i try to keep um at the forefront when presented with a bunch of time like this um because this is not the first time in my life where every day has just been a, a complete clean slate i've i've right. carved out some periods of life where i could do that um intentionally and it takes it takes practice i think to be really productive even even mm-hmm. when it comes to projects that you are uh, in complete control of and you and mm-hmm. you're really passionate about and you still have to be disciplined about it yeah absolutely and you have to yeah. find a way to maintain a sense of urgency because when every day is just a blank canvas, it is so easy to uh-huh. put things off to the next day. And you yeah. can't do that. It, yeah. it, because it, because eventually that period ends and yep. you, now you don't have more time. <laughs> exactly. The time runs out, man. And I, I feel fortunate this time because I've been, like I said, I've, I've had a few of those times at the end of high school, actually, when I, I knew that I would be going to school to study music and that would start in September and the last semester of high school I just didn't take any courses I talked to my counselor and said listen I think it would be better if I just don't take any courses I have enough credits from all the band courses I've taken if I just stay home and practice and 
and I want to learn how to record drums and I've got some money saved up. So I'm going to buy some microphones. I want to do a bunch of practicing and then record some drum covers and some drum lessons for YouTube. And then I'll be kind of primed to go study music in the fall. And Mm -hmm. that seemed like a good plan to everybody. I convinced my parents it was a good plan. (laughs) And uh, so from basically from February to September of that year, I was in that this this kind of similar situation where every day was just a, a blank canvas. And yeah. when I was 17, I had no practice uh, navigating a time like that. And things got <laughs> Who pushed would to the at next 17, day. Man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My whole life had been structured up by other people up until mm-hmm. that point. And it was so easy to put things off to the next day. And I didn't I didn't cultivate this sense of urgency in myself. And so I remember when August 1st hit and I had put out, I think two drum covers and that was, that was all I had to show for the, for the last seven months or whatever it was. And I remember being like, Holy shit, this is a disaster. Time just flew. What have I done? Yeah. Uh, This is ridiculous. (laughs) And, uh, and then I scrambled through that last month and then, and then school started in, in September and I, I, I never wanted to have to learn that lesson again. Mm. Um, That's so good every, that you learned every, it young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So every time I've been presented with a time like this, I've tried to maintain that sense of urgency. And that's what I'm trying to do right now is just not anytime there's a chance to just be like, well, I could do that tomorrow. I'm, as even though it feels like there's no consequences to making that decision, I have to remind myself that there absolutely are consequences. They just exist way later in time. The consequence is waking up at the end of this and being like, man, I fucked up. I could have done more. Dude, that is such a great thing that you just said there, that sense of urgency. And the consequences, when you're living a life that is your own, and you you are charting the path and you're doing your thing, the consequences are only going to be realized by you, really. You know, there's no boss that's going to be, you know, on your ass to get this done or 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 whatever. So it really does come down to 100% self-discipline and Definitely. and taking like, you know, I have trouble with this too, and that's that's pro- probably you know. That's great that you said that. That that actually has really inspired me. That's that sense of urgency because I have a, a laundry list of things now that I want to get done, and I get really daunted by it all sometimes. And and I'll, I'll I'm likely to blow it off then a little bit. It'd be like ah, now I'm stressed out about it, so I'll get back to it tomorrow, you know, or something along those lines. And um, it's it's never a good idea. It has never helped. You know, it's 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 always one of those things of just like. When you wake up in the morning, you got to make sure that you've written down the things that you want to get accomplished. You know, like how do you win this day? How do you win the day? Like Absolutely. if I work out, if I work out and I get X, Y, and Z done on my drumming stuff, those are the biggest things. If I get those done today, I've had a productive day. Everything else that I can get done after that, that's great. But these are the these are the main keys. You know, definitely. As opposed to just like winging it. But yeah, man, that's that's some wise words right there. The sense of urgency to just to use this time as best as you possibly can. And to, it slips away. The older that you get too, man, this is not cool. It is not cool. The older that you get, the faster the time goes by. Oh yeah, man. It speeds up on you. It speeds up. Yes. What kind of sick (laughs) son of a biscuit 
made this up, you know, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to really mess with these people. You know, when they're kids, time is going to take forever. But after they turn about 25, it's going to go so fast. Yeah, we're gonna not even going to know what hit them. Exponential. You're like, girl, and I'm like, holy shit. How can I be this old? No, I'm not this old. There's no way. But just wait till next year when you're another year older. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. But oh, yeah, no, man. dude. It ramps up. So, yeah, and that's why I think I, one one of the things, sort of the more tactical things that I'm I'm doing right now to take advantage of the time is every day I have a whiteboard in my kitchen mm. and beautiful even, investment. Even pre COVID nineteen, I mm-hmm. schedule out my day down to the you know fifteen minute interval, and now that's become even more crucial because. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I need to, I know that the way to maximize this time is to, to structure it. Yeah. And so I, I write that schedule really carefully and, um, it also takes the, the decision-making out of the day. You can, mm-hmm. you can make, you know, there's, uh, do you, have you ever heard of the book getting things done? I haven't. Who is that written by? Uh, David you know? Allen. Getting things done. Yeah. I it's haven't. A, I'll check it out. I recommend it to to everybody, especially in the arts, because David Allen. Yes. Okay. I'll I'll put a link to it in the uh, description. I'll I'll check it. I'll find it on Amazon or something. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant book. It it absolutely uh, changed my life and and the way that mm. I operate. Sweet. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really important one. Uh, yeah. For me, but one of the biggest ideas, one of the biggest takeaways from it is that there's a our brains are sort of wired to be good at doing things or uh-huh. planning things. Uh-huh. So, and, and we don't really switch back and forth between those two modes very well. So if you, you can really maximize your productivity and your output, if you kind of strategically compartmentalize those two, um, those two ways of, of being. So if you can do all the, the planning and the decision-making uh, at one time, and then when it's time to do things, all the decisions are made and you can just launch into working on things, then you don't have this, this clunkiness of switching back and forth between those two modes. Mm-hmm. You, you can just you know keep that day totally streamlined. So at the end of every day, I make that schedule and I make it in when my mind is really in the 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 planning mode and the decision making mode where I'm, you know, reflecting on my goals and my priorities and what I want to get out of that next day and I write that schedule. And then when that next day comes, there is no decision making because mm-hmm. decision making can be kind of exhausting. It really saps. It can, you. It can you stress up. you out. It can, you Absolutely. know, what if I make the wrong thing? It just, it, it spins the wheels so much that it can kill your creativity Absolutely. pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, and it often can leave you second guessing whether or not, you might be in the middle of a task that you just decided to do and you might find yourself thinking, man, is this the best way that I could be spending my time right now? Mm, and, which ruins it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, one of the worst distractions you can have when you're trying to be productive, much less creative. If you're trying to be creative and that kind of thought yeah. comes into your mind, it's just a disaster, right? So totally. if you can get those decisions made the day before, and then when mm. that next day comes, you just launch into everything and, with the mindset of, you know, I already decided that this is the best way that I'm, I can spend my time. I made yeah. that with a, when I was sound of mind 
and mm. I'm going to trust my previous self to... Not after I just ate a bunch of food and I'm watching YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Uh, who should I listen to? My YouTube fat self or the the person who's like, yeah, let's let's live a good life, man, and let's get some shit accomplished. It's like, who do I listen to? Um, no, dude, I get it. That's that's really excellent advice. And yeah, getting things done by David Allen. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's definitely. that's one of the 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 pillars of of my productivity strategy. So <laughs> we kind of already already talked about it a little bit so where do you see yourself then i mean after all of this is done uh after things get back to you know some form of of normalcy are you gonna you're obviously gonna go back to teaching i would assume because i know that you love doing that um are you do you have any plans of getting out of bc or, or coming to the states or or just building up more of an online presence for yourself well i i really part of the reason that I want to focus so hard on the online stuff is because I, I honestly love where I live. I really, really love. What's so great about crystal clear water and (laughs) mountains with snow and trees. And what's great about that? Why don't you live in the desert? You're right. Maybe it does suck. (laughs) Why don't you go move to a city that's so overpopulated and the infrastructure is is crumbling and there's no work, you know, like LA. Why, why wouldn't you live there instead of BC? You're really selling it. (laughs) I'm selling it. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, I could go on and on, but no, I, 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 dude, I totally understand what you're saying, especially, you know, like now one of the things, key things to take away from everything that's happening is like, you really get to learn about what is the most important things to me in, in my life right now. And you don't want to neglect those things. And you, you really don't because no matter what you accomplish or no matter what you do, you don't want to have those kind of, those kinds of regrets, you know, exactly. of, yeah. of, of leaving good things, you know, definitely. And, and I think, um, it was on the table at, at a couple points in my life to maybe move to a big musical hub, but, uh, there are just, there are, especially as a drummer, it's, it's often, um, it's drums are, are a tricky instrument to manage, especially in a big city, man. It's, hmm. uh, uh, Oh, just the instrument instrument themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Finding just a, the gear. Oh a, yeah. A place yeah, where you yeah, can yeah. live with your, with your drums. And or... be practicing is, is, Oh, it is the hardest thing in the world for a drummer because you, you know, you can try to practice on quiet pads or put pads on your drums and you know that you, you know, as much as I do that that is not going to work. And that's not, that's yeah. not what you need. You need to hear your drums. You need to be playing the music. You need to be playing loud. So you, yeah, dude, I get you. I, I totally get you. Definitely. And I mean, there have been, uh, there've been some really good opportunities for me here. Musically we have, especially as an educator there, like in Canada, there are a few drum festivals and two of them mm. exist on the island, the Nanaimo Drum Festival and the Victoria Drum Festival. And I've had the chance to perform at, at both the Nanaimo one a, a couple times. I actually performed the the year that uh, Mike Johnson headlined it. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it was pretty fun. We got to open up for him. Oh, dude, that's um, so freaking cool. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, it was a blast, man. It was a real a real highlight. Yeah, when all this gets back to normal, man, you have to tell me if you're ever doing anything like that, and I'll come up there and see you. I've I've always wanted to go to BC, to be honest. Oh, um, dude, 
Yeah. When I was in Seattle, I I didn't have my passport. That was the only thing that stopped me. But, uh, yeah, dude, I would love to come see you do, uh, uh, a drum solo during the, the freaking uh, like you said, what the, the festival stuff, that would be so freaking cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, dude, I I see good things for you. I I mean, I I always have, I mean, I always knew it's like, there's something different about, about Spencer as a, as a musician and as, as a human being. And that's, it's just such a rarity to, to see. And I've played with so many people, man, so many, so many different musicians, all from every different walk of life. And you're definitely, there's definitely something special about you. And I, 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 this, the, you know, it's going to work out, you know, oh, thank you, it, it, it's going to work out. It's we're, we're in a weird ass time right now. <laughs> uh, but you know, we we're learning about what's really important and, uh, hopefully it will make everything better eventually, but we just got to get through the times just like we, we are. And it sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job of that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that's, uh, that feeling is mutual, man. I, I really believe in you and I believe in, in what you're doing and your attitude about this stuff. I mean, the name of your podcast says it all. You are. Yeah. I, thank you, dude. To, I appreciate that. Willing to take yeah. risks in, in this, uh, this part of life. And I think that's a oh, really, really cool it's, thing. Yeah. And you know, it's, I am, I have to remind myself of these things every single day myself. And like the reason that I made the podcast was because if I, you know, focus on these things and I talk to people who are doing these things as well, I'm, I'm, I get really inspired too. Like just this interview has totally inspired me. I'm not even kidding. Like I didn't even, I didn't even really think about it. It's like Spencer's right, man. Like this sense of urgency shit, he is totally right. If I don't do this, what the hell, you know, like <laughs> what, what, you know, what am I doing? I, it's, I gotta get, I gotta get all this drum stuff uh, done. So yeah, man, I, I just really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and everything. And uh, one more time. So we, we listeners can find you at Spencer Bowman drummer.com. And what is your Instagram handle? It's just Spencer Bowman. Spencer Bowman. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'll post all that stuff on there. And, uh, so Last thing, I guess, that I'll ask you what, and I, you know, it's a cheesy question, so you can just blow me off or whatever, <laughs> but, uh, why do you play music? Wow. <laughs> it's a <laughs> simple a question. question. Not a it's a question. simple question that is, they're the hardest questions to answer. Yeah. So like I said, you know, it's yeah. all good if you just want to blow me off because. No, I, that, that is not. A I save these questions off. for the end. Because if you ask people these questions in the beginning of an interview, they're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> they're like, here we go. This guy's going to ask me a bunch of shit that I have no idea how to answer at the moment when I put on the spot. But yeah, yeah. I'll answer it if you answer it. Uh, oh, I definitely want to hear your answer. Yeah. I, I think I play music because I, it gives me a feeling that I, that I don't get anywhere else. It's the, the feeling of being on stage and, um, and either, you know, when I was with the body politic, you know, having people connect with art that I created or mm-hmm. now sharing, providing an experience for people, mm-hmm. there's, there's a feeling that comes along with that, with, I think, sharing something that you're, that you're passionate about and that you're proud of and then seeing other people connect with it and bringing joy to other people in that mm-hmm. way that creates a, a feeling of happiness and satisfaction that 
I, I don't know if I've ever found anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I, uh, very short story for you. The first time I, I played a real gig that wasn't like a, a band recital or something. I, I played at my friends. Um, this was when I was 14, that same year. I, mm-hmm. I played at my guitar player friend's mom's wedding. We, we had this little little band that he had put together with some guys, people from school, and we played at, a, uh, at this wedding, and we played some Beatles covers and some Led Zeppelin covers. And, and I remember as I was doing it thinking, this is the greatest, most important thing I've ever done. <laughs> this is this is incredible this is clearly what my whole life has to be about and yeah. i remember coming home and and my mom is is really into theater she's acted and directed her whole life awesome very and, cool and i remember telling her that and her saying yeah there's there's nothing like it is there and i was like man there, there really isn't that is that is yeah. <laughs> that's clearly yeah. what my life is about that's so, so cool. Thank you for sharing that, man. Yeah, yeah I really that's, appreciate that. That's why I do it. I, I, I would agree with everything uh, that you say. I would, I would add to it uh, in terms of, I think everybody finds music at, at different points in their life, you know, when it matters most. Um, and some people, I, I know they got to be rare. They, they don't like music. I, I, I've never met any of those people, but <laughs> Me neither. they don't sound yeah. like fun to hang out with. <laughs> no, I don't even know. I, I, they just don't exist, I guess. But, um, I was drawn to music because I had a lot of pain and a lot of frustration and stuff growing up. And I was really attracted to uh, really aggressive, like heavy metal type bands. Like when I really first got into music yeah. and, um, as I got older, I realized how, you know, the things that we think about and the things that we feel like we start to manifest that stuff outside of ourselves. And I remember when I found, you know, the first band that had an actual positive impact on me, that literally flipped some sort of switch inside of me. And uh, it became a lot more about other than just like expressing emotion or expressing my feelings like in a negative kind of, well, maybe not negative, but just like a cathartic sort of experience of just like, I have all this these feelings and things inside of me that I need to let out. Um, when I found out that music could have such a beautiful and positive and uplifting impact on my life and on the life of other people and crowds of people could come together. And all of a sudden everybody is like connecting with that. Like you said, similarly, like when you feel that energy or that pulse when you're playing and like you can genuinely feel that people are, are appreciating what you're doing and that you're bringing them some sort of joy. And at the same time, you're also doing something that you love to do. That was, it was life-changing to me because there is, I don't think there is a better way to celebrate our freedom or just to celebrate being alive than to be an artist, Yeah, you know, to be able to like, and not to be pretentious about it and not to like hail it over other people. Like a lot of artists try to do, like there's something, you know, it's, Art is life. You know, if you're a good artist, I think that you're that there's something that you're tapping into that other people will understand and connect with. And that, that's really what it is. It's really that simple. 
And yeah. the higher you try to put yourself up above other people, I think the worse that you get, or maybe the more negativity and stuff that you, you that you put out that you attract. So for me, the reason that I play, that I love music so much is that it has the incredible ability to, to be positive, man, and to, to be something that's like actually good. Because there's so many things that aren't good. You know, there's so many yeah. things that are bad. And we don't need any more stuff like that. And, I, yeah. you know, I'm not saying like, oh, all music should be kumbaya and shit like that. But I just mean like it can do something. You know, yeah, you can I'm, with, yeah, just with, just with yourself and your, your creativity and your ideas, you can create something out of nothing that actually does something good. And absolutely. that to me is like, sign me up, you know, I'm, I'm hooked Definitely. for the rest of my life. Yeah. Even if the music is, <laughs> is aggressive or, or yeah, yeah. If, it, if it's, a, if it provides a cathartic experience, then yeah. that is a, a really positive thing that a lot of people really need. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, a lot of heavy metal music can it can and is positive in in a lot of ways it's you know i don't know it's just something that connects it's 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 a language all in itself that everybody seems to understand and everybody seems to connect with it's such a human uh experience you know and it's just so beautiful that that we get to to do that so yeah so rock on rock on <laughs> rock on <laughs> all right man i think that is a fantastic interview um and i again i appreciate you so much for for taking your time all the way up in the grand land of canada in, my um, igloo. in your igloo in your perfect pristine ansel adams you know <laughs> scenic view of the world damn you and your and your entitlement no <laughs> no but again thanks so much spencer and we'll keep an eye out for you spencer bowman drummer.com i'll put all that into the uh the comments below and um thanks again brother i will see you again in the near future i know i will thank you man this was this was an absolute blast awesome boy you've got it Hello, and thank you again so much for listening to the Dare to Feel podcast. If you like this, enjoy the programming, please you could head over to iTunes, give it a, a good rating and an honest uh, review. I would really appreciate that. I'm trying to grow this as much as possible. Speaking of which, if you are an artist or a creative person or honestly anybody who's just doing anything that's outside of their comfort zone and trying to better themselves, all the stuff, and you'd like to be interviewed, please reach out. You can reach me on my website, brail.com. That's B-R-A-E-H-L.com. I also did this interview that you're listening to using a program called Zencaster. So it's possible to interview people from all over the world. So there's no excuse.